I'm going to invite Brandon to come up. When um, over the last month we've kind of tied in uh, a teaching with somebody coming up to share, but we're changing it up tonight. And uh, Brandon's going to start off by sharing. So again, Brandon is on our ministry team, and uh, he was a part of, of the discipleship group that that uh, I was in last year. And uh, I have I have seen Brandon grow in his faith uh, leaps and bounds in the last couple of years, and and not just in what he knows up here, but what he's actually living out, and that. That's the part for me that I, I love when we are actually aligning ourselves to the ways of God and walking it out in obedience. And, and none of us is doing that perfectly, but I, I love watching how, how Brandon is, is uh, moving towards God. So I'm excited to hear a bit of his story, and, uh, and I know you'll be blessed by it too. So. Hello? Oh, perfect. Thanks, Chet, for the kind words. <coughs> um, as Chet said, my name is Brownon, and uh, a little bit about myself. I'm on the ministry team. This is the first year. Um, I'm a diesel mechanic by trade. Um, I like dirt biking. I like sledding. I like diesel trucks. Pretty much anything to do with adrenaline, I love. Even long walks on the beach. Um, <laughs> so if you like to do that stuff, I mean, come talk to me. We'll probably be friends. Um, and uh, you guys will find out right away that uh, I'm not a public speaker, so just bear with me a little bit. Um, and uh, just on a side note, you guys should take a look around this place. Like, we have a good-looking bunch here. You guys should just take a moment and just like look around your tables and stuff. I mean, just embrace it right now. It's good. But anyways, let's get back on track. Um, I'll just share a little bit about my, how my journey's going right now um, and how it's been with me. Um, I grew up in a Ukrainian Catholic home, knowing that there was a God, but not experiencing the potential of him. As I think back to my childhood, it was good, and I wouldn't go back and change it. As I grew up, my parents taught me how to be hardworking, independent, to respect my elders, and the list goes on. I'm blessed to have the parents that I have. They taught me great values, uh, but not quite everything. Throughout high school, I lived my life the way I wanted to, with no discipline. That's how most people were living their life around me in small town Aberdeen. It was so easy to be in that same boat as everyone else, getting into drinking, partying, not having a filter on my mouth. I remember a time driving to a party, not even legally able to drive yet, and getting drunk there and driving back home and hitting the ditch while on the phone, luckily steering back up on the road without rolling. Needless to say, my life was a little out of hand. Later on in my years of high school, I fell in love with a girl. Instead of putting my attention on partying and drinking, I focused on her. I, ba I was basically relying off of her for that fulfillment or happiness and being very selfish with it. We didn't have God in the center of it either, which made the relationship very unhealthy in later years. After four and a half years of dating, the relationship ended. It hit me like a freight train. I didn't have anybody to have that fulfillment with. After feeling this and realizing it, I knew I needed to seek help. So I got into the Bible and started off with Proverbs. I quickly realized how I was living my life and how Satan would want me to live it. A verse that really stuck out to me was Proverbs 12.1. Whoever loves knowledge loves discipline, but whoever hates correction is stupid. This is where I knew I had to make some serious changes in my life and start gaining knowledge. After reading that verse, I knew I had been straight up stupid and needed discipline in my life. And let's be honest here, nobody wants to be stupid. So I was recommended that I should join CNC and was introduced to Pastor Chet. And all I remember is he asked me to go for coffee, and boy, was I scared. I had no idea what we were going to talk about or what he was going to say to me. But when I went with him, it turns out he's a softie. <laughs> Sorry, Chet. <laughs> um, and he gave me some great insight as I shared with him about my life. I was willing to do anything to help me change for the better. I showed up to my first CNC and felt and completely felt like I didn't belong here. At the time, I felt like everyone was innocent here and always lived upright lives and wouldn't be able to understand my past, but I kept coming. About a month later, I really started to struggle because it felt like God wasn't changing anything 
or that he really didn't care about me. This took me very, down a very dark path and was impossible for me to see the good things in life. I started to make the decision if I wanted to be alive or not. October 26 of 2017, where my life took a turning point, that day falls on my birthday and fell on a CNC night. My family came over and wanted to celebrate my birthday with me, but I didn't want to and I couldn't be around family at this time. So I took off and left home and came to CNC. I prayed to God in tears the whole way there, and now my life was on the line. I didn't talk to anybody when I got there and heard the message and was hoping for God to speak to me through the message that was preached that night, but I felt nothing. And so I walked out, sat in my truck, waiting for it to warm up. Then I had a friend who came and knocked on my window and asked to join me. So they did. They asked what was going on, so I told them. And they took the time to encourage me and to pray for me. This is my turning point where it felt like God loved me, cared for me, and heard my prayers. Now once down the road, it just didn't get easy for me. But I was trying to fight the good fight and knew that God had me in his hand after experiencing his love for me. So after knowing God's love for me, I decided to do youth leading, which was tough at the time, but I've been blessed by it. It felt like a start to a new beginning. It felt me make new friendships and got me out of my comfort zone. I also started to do little things here and there for people, like helping them move from place to place or shoveling random people's driveways. This brought me happiness and fulfillment to know that God can use me to bring other people happiness by doing small things like this. And then in 2018, Chet offered me to join a discipleship journey small group, and all I could think was a big yes, I'll join. It was something that God put right in front of me to further my faith and a personal growth. It also helped me gain new friendships, and after completing my discipleship journey with my small group, not too long after, I was also offered to join the ministry team here at CNC. And here I am on the ministry team, sharing my testimony with all of you, hoping that it'll encourage you guys. Remember, trust in God even when times are hard as they can be. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, now lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Thanks for listening. Isn't that awesome? I love it. Thanks for sharing, Brandon. And, and please, like we have in the last month, um, you know, let's encourage one another. It takes a lot of guts to get up here and be vulnerable and, and share your story. So let's, let's make sure you take some time and just encourage Brandon afterwards. So, And your comment about it being a good-looking group, is that because we're going to be talking about relationships tonight? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so... Um, Thank you for, for coming out tonight. We don't take it for granted that you choose to, to come here, and uh, I'm, I'm sure by now some of you are starting to form some good relationships and friendships here. So, As I mentioned last Thursday, uh, we are kicking off a series on relationships uh, that starts tonight and goes all the way up to Christmas, okay? And... Um, and so I'm excited to learn together and be challenged on this. This isn't just about romantic relationships, or all, although we're going to take three weeks and talk about that over the next upcoming three weeks, but then we're going to move into all kinds of different understanding around this, where it's like understanding what, what does the word honor mean? For example, did you know that, that in the New Testament, the word honor exists almost the same amount as the word obedience. It's an important thing to God. What does it mean to really comfort people? What does it mean to, uh, you know, and, and look like and sound like to encourage or to hold somebody accountable or to be vulnerable from a biblical perspective? What are God's ways on how we are to relate to one another? Now, we felt like we were supposed to go down this path as a teaching team for the next several weeks, 
But it's not just because of that that we felt like, well, we think this is right, let's go down this path and make some stuff up. You have to understand that relationships are born out of the heart of God. He is a highly relational God. When God created Adam, he said in Genesis 2.18, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. By the way, a side note, that word helper doesn't mean less than, doesn't mean man is lording over woman. It actually means an, an equal, okay? Also, in the nature of God himself is the Trinity. There is Father, okay, God the Father. There is Jesus the Son and the Holy Spirit. And they make up together, they make up who God is. They relate to one another. Then we read in the New Testament how Jesus related so well to woman, a woman caught in adultery and showed grace and care and, and kindness and mercy. We saw how he interacted with those in need of physical healing. And he took time out of his day in the moment to care for them. We see how he related to the disciples and had to correct them. And he still spoke truth, but he did it in a loving way. We see how he related to those that were opposed to him or those that got angry with him and how he responded to them as well. Then we also see, even in the, in the big picture of Christ coming to earth as a sacrifice to cover the payment of our sins, it was all so that we could be, it says in Scripture, that we could be reconciled or brought into relationship with God the Father. An unholy people relating to a holy God, and it required that sacrifice out of relationship and for relationship. Then in John 13, 34 and 35, Jesus challenges all disciples, all followers of him. This is what he says. This is for us as well as initially when, when this was spoken to the original hearers, okay? He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, okay, by loving one another, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So we must become and should become, as followers of Jesus, the best relators of others that the world has ever seen. Christians should know how to do this the best. Number one, we have the teachings of Jesus that we have access to that teach us the ways of God and how to best relate to one another. We have the model of how Christ actually did that and we have the stories in front of us through the word of God and the kingdom of God and how people relate to Christ is actually hinging on how we relate to them that's our motive or a motive is that that verse actually just speaks of how the world is looking at us going what is your God like is he kind? Is he judgmental? Is he gracious? Is he loving? Is he just? So this begs the question of us, which is, are we good relators to others? Do we model Jesus in his ways to others and how we relate to them. If we're being transformed into the likeness of Jesus every day, is the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit being produced in us, like love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, are, are the fruit of the Spirit coming out in how we relate to others? Because they're looking at us going, what is your God like? Because if we just act the same way as everybody else, what does that say? Are we more maybe like a puffer fish? <laughs> right? You see a puffer fish and it looks all nice, but if you scare it or it gets intimidated or rubbed the wrong way, it just goes, and all these spikes come out. Is that how we relate to people? Satan doesn't want us to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. He does not want us to become like Jesus. He does not want us to reflect him because then that helps him in terms of stopping the kingdom of God. It, it paints a picture of God that isn't accurate and then people go, I don't want anything to do with God. So over the next several weeks, I just ask that you would put yourself in a place to go, maybe I need to learn a little more about how to better relate to those around me. Maybe I need to ask God to produce more of the fruit of the Spirit in me. That maybe we start some of these weeks, we hear certain things and we go, you know what, I, just, I need to confess and repent that I've not done this well. And we need to share that with one another and go, this needs to change. And then we need to go before God and say, I know that you'll forgive me for this, but I need to confess this. And then I want you to show me how to do this right. Because I've got family relationships or coworker relationships or a romantic partner relationship that I have not demonstrated the character and the ways of God in. And that needs to change. So we need to be willing to repent, repent of our actions and of certain attitudes that we've had and formed. You will be blessed if you do that. So with that said, tonight I've upgrade, uh, titled our talk, Upgrade Your Hangout. Okay? We hang out a lot, but have we actually hung out and been the body of Christ the way God intended us to function. I've been blessed over the years to have many people in my life who have challenged me uh, to grow spiritually and to mature. I think of one guy right away, a guy named, I've mentioned him here before, I'm not sure when, maybe last year or a couple of years ago, a guy named Pete Safuentes. And he's a, a Mexican guy that was from California and he, he did pinstriping on race cars for a living. Okay, I met Pete in Montana. And I remember going across uh, the Youth with a Mission campus that I was on, and, the, and I was busy trucking across the, the campus, and all of a sudden Pete came up to me and he's like, hey, Chet, how you doing? I'm like, oh, pretty good, Pete. He's like, so uh, tell me, what's something that you read in God's Word today that stood out to you? And I'm thinking... <laughs> good question, Pete. I could probably answer that if I actually picked up my Bible and read it this morning. You know, and I was like, ah, I, I hmm. And he goes, uh, never mind. Here's something that I read. And he, I remember he just whipped open this Bible that he had and he read this one verse and he's like, this is what it made me think of and I just thought it was really cool. Well, you have a great day, chat. See you later. And left. And I was just like, dang it. Right? The next day I'm walking across the campus and I see Pete coming and I'm like, oh crap. <laughs> hey Chad, how's it going? Fine. You know, and he's like, uh, tell me, what's something that you read this morning that stood out in your devotional time? And I'm like, Pete, I didn't read my Bible this morning. I didn't read it yesterday morning either. <laughs> And he's like, okay, no problem. Hey, this is something I read this morning. And he just shared with me this one verse again. 
and laid it out and gave me this little encouragement or challenge, and I was like, man, that was good. Like, and, and what do you think happened the third morning? <laughs> Dang right. So I'm like, grab my Bible. Like, if I meet Pete, I've got to have an answer, right? <laughs> Not the greatest motivation to get into the Word, but here's what happened. Because I got up that next morning and I'm like, I remember reading through this passage and I'm like, whoa, that was good. Like, that was actually good. And then I walked out the door and I'm like, where's Pete? <laughs> right? And I remember I saw him that afternoon and I'm like, Pete! Hey, man. He's like, you got something for me? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I do. You know, shared with him, and he's like, yeah, and you knew, like, behind, he had this big grin, and he never said a word about it, but I'm sitting there going, he knew the whole time that I was dying those other two days beforehand, and I couldn't wait to tell him on the third day, you know. Here's the point. Over time, there is a genuine hunger for the Word of God. And even though my motivation didn't start off great at the beginning, he challenged me because he was my brother in Christ. And he could have just walked past me like everybody else did every day on that campus. But he leaned into me. Pete is also the guy who went to, to a group of leaders on the campus and said, you know what, here's what I see in chat. I think it would be good to call him up to a position of leadership and pour into him. When nobody else went to bat. Right? We need others in our lives. God did not intend for us to follow him as individuals only and to never connect with others. For example, in in 1 John, I'm not going to put this up on the screen, but some of the disciples, when they first were around Jesus, saw him doing these different miracles, they came to him and said, uh, Rabbi, where are you staying? Because he was on a journey. And Jesus said, come, he replied, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and it says they spent the whole day with him. And he said it was in about the 10th hour um, when that occurred. And it says, the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. And finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. And he just kept gathering these guys together going, come and hang out. Let's walk to this place. You'll hear me teach on these things. We'll discuss that teaching. We'll eat some food together. We'll laugh and joke as we walk to the next place. Let's do life together and he was calling them to spend time with him to walk through life with them and to learn from him he didn't just call them one-on-one -on -one, although there was moments of that he called them all together and he pulled these guys together they learned how to care for one another they camped out together i'm sure that they laughed together and joked around. They learned how to pray for one another. They argued together. They had disagreements over who was the more important one in the group, it says in Scripture. And they even let each other down at times. It was a normal group that was together, but Jesus called them together and hung on to them. And they started to hang on to him and hang on to one another. They matured together. They became inseparable. Some of them eventually even died together for the sake of having relationship with Jesus and knowing that he was good and he was the Son of God. They were beaten and imprisoned together. Why would he have called them together when he could have just went to them one-on-one? -on -one? It's because his design is that he knew the body of Christ had to, it would function best and it would grow and mature in the best way 
when they were all together and not isolated one-on-one. The challenge for us in today's day and age is that being an individual and standing out and being independent has been associated with success. Look at you. You did it all on your own. You took control. You did this. You chose this. You're the captain of your own ship, you know, in in your, your decision to to make your own destiny. My question for us is, were we ever really designed by God to function in complete independency? Was that his plan? And I would argue, based on what I've read in Scripture, that we're actually not ever to function in independency, but actually to be interdependent. And there is a big difference between those two words. Within our heart and soul, we have a a deep uh, need for God and we have a deep need for others in our lives. We're actually designed for dependence on God. That's why we have a longing. We're actually designed for interdependence on one another. That is the way God designed it. Not one of us is self-sufficient. We all have certain things that we're wired, hardwired for that are amazing. Like when Brandon gets up here and goes, you know, I'm a diesel mechanic, like the stuff that he can do with a vehicle, like... I don't care how much I study, it won't be as intuitive as it is for him. And so there's certain things that I, I just kind of go, wow, the way God wired you and designed you, there is going to be seasons in my life where I need that. Or the way somebody's wired in their personality. God is the only one who is self-sufficient. But he designed each of us to need him and to need one another. So how do we mature interdependently as Christ followers? The word uh, fellowship in the Bible comes from a Greek word called koinonia, which means to share in common or intimate participation. Focus on the intimate. Okay? Christian fellowship is more than just coming to church together and worshiping together alone. That is part of koinonia, part of fellowship, of being united, focusing our worship on God when we gather together. But it is also meant to, to look at how do we love one another and care for one another? How do we hold each other accountable? How do we bring correction. And it's, it's about this deeper sharing with one another. Not just, hey, how'd your weekend go? Sweet, I know what you did your, with your weekend. We are so close now that we know what we did with our weekend. I just, I, I just feel we're brothers, <laughs> right? That doesn't happen. It's when we take it several layers deeper and really find out how we tick and why we tick and we get into the stuff that's even embarrassing or shameful sometimes, what our weaknesses are, and we can also encourage each other in what our strengths are, that is deep fellowship. That is deep koinonia. About Eight years ago, my wife and I um, gathered a group from, uh, a small group from this group uh, to meet at our place. And for the first two and a half months, all that we did is every person shared their life story and a bit of their journey in how they came into relationship with God. There were many tears. There was lots of laughter. We learned lots 
by listening to each other's stories. There were times where we were surprised or shocked to hear what some people had done, like in a good way. And then sometimes surprised and shocked to hear about some things that had taken place for people that we were like, oh my gosh, that must have been devastating. As our time went along, we grew a deeper care for one another. We understood each other way better, as well as how to care for one another in the future. We held each other accountable to walk in obedience to God's ways, even when it was a bit uncomfortable. And in that process, God transformed us. It was meaningful for all of us to go through that process. So out of that time, here's a few observations that we noticed. They're going to be up here. First of all, most of us in that group had actually known each other for at, at least one year, and most of the people in that group had known each other for five or six years, and yet we had never asked each other what our life stories were. There was only one or two of us that actually kind of knew most of the people's stories. We had never asked each other the question how we had come into a relationship with Christ where we said, you know what, I think I need to make him the Lord of my life. Like Brandon's story where he just said, this was the turning point on my birthday, out in the church parking lot, right? And this is shocking for us as we went over these first two and a half months and heard these stories that all of a sudden it was like, we're all Christians, we've known each other a long time, why have we never asked this question of each other? And to be quite honest, it was kind of embarrassing. The reality was that some of us in that group went through seasons where we were really struggling and nobody else had a clue. Second thing we realized is that we had things to learn from one another based on life experience, spiritual growth, how they had walked through maybe different seasons in life that were sometimes really hurtful or painful. And as a result of hearing each other's stories and being vulnerable, our times together became really meaningful, really valuable. And this led to some people actually being, um, made it easier for them to quickly overcome some of their own struggles in life because all of a sudden they went, I had no idea that you went through that. Can we grab a coffee? Because I'm in the midst of this right now and I could use your advice, your counsel. What did God teach you through that so that it speeds up the process that I'm in? So we had things to learn about one another. Third thing was that as people shared, all of a sudden you didn't feel alone in your struggle with something when you heard that there was somebody else that had actually gone through a similar thing as you. Satan loves to isolate us from one another and then condemn us and get us to a point where we're overwhelmed with our own shame and fear and we'll never want to open up to anyone because we're just too embarrassed. And then we feel absolutely rejected by God. We feel rejected by all the people around us. This is not what God has for us. You guys, we've had people up here sharing their stories for a reason. Because it is necessary for us to see that God can take things that the enemy intended for harm and turn them around and redeem them and produce something beautiful out of it. And we need to hear those stories from one another in that context of deep fellowship. Last thing, we learned more about how best to minister to one another and grow closer to God. Once we knew that what some of each other's struggles were, 
We knew how to challenge one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, sometimes give counsel to one another. And it was in this place that there was significant growth that took place. We were able to hold each other accountable in some areas of sin and to actually stir one another up towards maturity and wisdom in our relationships with God and also how we related to others. I remember in one occasion challenging a person to, to uh, make some relationships right in their life where, where they had not been handling things well. And they made a list of the people. And week after week when we gathered, they would come up and go, hey, I had this conversation. It was hard, but this is what came out of it. And it feels so good. Right? And here's what God's doing in me. It says in 1 John 1.5, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. And if we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. In other words, if we walk in the light, if we're willing to go have deeper fellowship with one another and go, you know what, my life isn't together. But I'm tired of the enemy wreaking havoc in me. And when the word of God says that we're to confess our sins to one another, if I don't tell you what I'm wrestling with right now, I feel like the enemy is just going to have this little hook in my life in this area. And every time I want to feel excited about something good that's going on in my life, he just goes, oh yeah, but remember this. And I never, ever get to a place of freedom, and I'm tired of it. And so I'm coming to you. I don't want to confess this to you, but I'm bringing things from the darkness into the light because I don't want the enemy to keep winning in my life anymore. If we walk in the light in that deeper fellowship with God, this causes us to have that deeper fellowship with one another. And the outcome of that kind of fellowshipping together means that we learn, we grow, and we're set free. Okay? And the blood of Jesus, it says, cleanses us from all sin. That is freedom. So how does this apply to us? To be honest, you guys, when we gather together often, we're far too interested in being entertained, having fun. We don't really engage in maybe challenging one another on seri more serious matters in life. It's easier to keep it shallow, surfacey. Because who wants to sign up to have that deeper sharing sometimes when you're going, but it's embarrassing to me. And as a result, we may find ourselves floundering down a path in life that is discouraging, dissatisfying, it's lonely, and we're struggling. When we could have access to spiritual community that spurs us on to understanding our purpose that Christ has for us on earth, experiencing deeper and more meaningful relationship with others, and living a life in such a way that actually brings glory to God. So what I'm saying is, we may need to upgrade our typical hangouts to something that's not always only about the lighter things. I'm not saying, you know, tonight when you go out afterwards, if you go to BPs where it's like, all right, spill it, everybody. Let's get it out there. What's your darkest secret? No, that's not dark enough. Get another one, okay? What, you're talking about the weekend? That's not allowed here. You go over on the other side of the wall, right? But where's the balance? You get what I'm saying? 
You guys, I met with somebody who uh, heard part of this teaching a long time ago because I talked about this a long time ago once. I met with him today for coffee. And he just said, how's it going with CNC? I said, good. We're going to start this new relationship series. And he's like, oh, yeah, what are you guys talking about? And I said, well, tonight, I'm, you remember when I talked that one time about kind of going deeper in fellowship? He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, I just had my bachelor party last weekend. And, and he said, I remember that talk, and that was a key turning point in my life because the group of guys I hung out with, we never went deep. And after that talk, we got together and said, this has got to change. And we started holding each other accountable on certain areas of sin in our lives. We started encouraging each other and praying for each other for, for things that we wanted to see God do in our lives. And he's like, all of those guys were the guys at my bachelor party. And I had one other friend who wasn't a part of that group that came to my bachelor party. And his statement to me at the end of the weekend was this. He's like, I am absolutely physically exhausted. We stayed up way too late and, and did far too many things. But he's like, I am pumped because I've never gotten to be a part of a group of guys like this before in my life. He's like, you have good friends. You're so close. You're so tight. You guys talk about everything. As we have our personal relationships with God developing, we really do need to engage one another and minister to one another so as to make sure that no one falls through the cracks in their own relationship with God or with one another. And as a result, be swept away by the enemy in loneliness and in struggle with their own sin. That shouldn't happen if we're some of the best relators in the world. So what changes do we need to make? First, we have to admit that we actually need one another. Some of us don't want to admit that because maybe we've been hurt before from past relationships. That does not change that core need by who God created us to be. And we need to confess that we actually need one another to grow and do this life together. Have humility to admit that. Secondly, we need to commit to step out in boldness and ask more meaningful questions of one another and then listen to the response. As we go to someone and ask about their life, it shows that we care about them. We want to actually hear the answer. And as we listen to them, it displays humility that we actually want to hear what they have to say. You know, we're not just going so that we can sound like the great wise one in their life. We go in with care and we listen. I have been walking with Jesus, for some of you, longer than you've been alive. But if you go for coffee with me, I can promise you this. I will approach it always going, I have something to learn from you. Because my life is not perfect. And there's certain things that you've gone through in your life that you're going to have perspective that I need to hear. I expect in a group like this, there's going to be certain people that you click with better than others. I don't want to stop that. That happens. That's normal. There's certain things that certain groups of people just like and they kind of get drawn together. Here's what I ask. If you have a group like that, Always make sure that there's an open door for anybody else to be invited into and then go and invite them. You don't have to break that group up because you have interest in certain things. Just don't close the door. And keep your eyes open for others that you can invite in. Now, I'm going to, on that note, you guys, 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this. In all the years that I've been here at the church and on staff, leading this group, that is probably one of the things that I've been the most encouraged by with this group this year. I think you're some of the best at actually seeing those that might be coming out for the first time and going, I don't really know anybody that well. And I've seen other people go over and say, hey, come to our table. We're going out. Are you going to come? And inviting people that are just new. You guys have done a great job of that. Third thing, learn to ask good questions that express care and just have a bit more depth to them. Now, when I say this, you guys, I was a lousy question asker. And I prayed and prayed and asked God to make me a good question asker. Like, sincerely. We need to explore some deeper questions of life and spirituality and ask other people those questions. Ask yourself those questions. Don't assume that just because you've hung out with somebody a lot that you actually know how they're doing. Ask some questions. Because just like that group that Lindsay and I hung out with, we were amazed at what we heard. And yet we were kind of some of the, the common denominators. Tracy was in that group. We were the, the two common denominators that knew most people's stories. But yet they'd been a part of, many of them had been a part of that group for five, six years and, and didn't know some of the basic questions about one another. So, what are some questions you can ask? Start by asking about people's life story. Um, I think on the next slide here. Coming up. You know, ask about family and siblings, parents, hometown, like basic things, but then ask if they have had a faith-based family. What was it like? How did it impact them now? If they didn't come from that, what was that like? What are some of the challenges with that? Ask about areas um, where there may have been brokenness in their family. How are they doing with that? What does that look like? There's great opportunities to start praying for healing in families, healing for the individual that you're talking to. Ask questions that start from the outside elements of life, the more surfacey thing, and move in a little bit deeper. And if you want actually a list of questions to start with this, I can give you some. Okay. I actually have a document together for that. It, it sounds really formal to do that, but sometimes if you're like me and you're not a good question asker, you're like, I don't even know where to start. Okay, We can, we can help you with that. Um, ask about their faith journey with God. Would they say that they're a follower of, of Christ? Why or why not? What's a struggle for them in their faith? What is the one of the greatest things they enjoy about their faith or relationship with God? What's the latest thing that God has taught them about? How well do they feel or think they relate with God? And truly listen. I mean, honestly, you guys, I've spent an hour or two hours with people and I started off with asking one of these questions, and based on just listening to what they said, it just was like, well, why was that? Well, what took place with that? Oh, what did that do for you? What does that mean for you right now? And we've j next thing we know, we're like, we got to go. Okay, so here's how I want to end tonight. I've given you several things to think about, some different questions up here. I actually want to exercise this tonight. Okay? So I'm, I've actually, I'm going to put some questions up here. When I do that, you guys are, because <laughs> they're all of a sudden like, oh, crap. <laughs> Things just got real, right? I want you to find somebody that either you don't know or you sort of know, okay? And you're going to ask each other three questions. And I just want to say this, okay? Think, just look at me for a second here. 
I'm not anticipating that you're going to come out of here tonight like, I've got a new best friend. Man, it's awesome. Okay, this is practicing asking some questions and just listening. I have used some of these, or um, asked some of these questions of my friends who, who do not associate or have any connection to God or the church at all whatsoever and have had incredible conversations with them. It's just something that we need to practice with because we're too used to texting, messaging, whatever, where if we don't like something, we don't have to respond. And we can take all the time we need to respond. Or we just ignore it. And we never have to deal with the face-to-face. And we can go through life like that a long time, and then all of a sudden we have to get a job where we have to do face-to-face, and we're like, oh, crap, my anxiety's going through the roof, I can't do that. If we're to be some of the best relators around, we have to start somewhere. Okay? So, three questions I have up here. What are a couple of the more defining moments of your life? And that could be a good thing. That could be a hard thing. I don't know. So you might have to think about that a little bit. Do you have faith in God? And describe what your faith in God is like right now in terms of describing it like a relationship with a friend. Okay, if you were on the the retreat, we asked a question similar to this, but some different imagery to it. And the third one, what do you feel you need more of in your life? Like love, forgiveness, grace. Not, you don't have to just be stuck on those ones if there's something else. And just to share that with one another. And then if you feel comfortable, you can pray for one another. If you don't, just go, yeah, I, I, I'm not comfortable to just pray right now. That's okay. Totally fine. Okay. But we're going to practice this. And whenever you're done, so if you're done in like two minutes and you just go, uh, a couple of defining moments, I was born. <laughs> I was pretty defining. I uh, don't have a relationship with God and I need some money. That's it. All right, I'm done. You go. Right? I don't know what it's going to be like. But just take a little time. Find somebody either that you don't know or that you maybe just don't know real well, and practice this. Okay? Good? Everybody's like, I'm not moving until you say go. (laughs) Okay, go. Go.